welcome to March 5 Music Podcast. My next guest, producer, boxing promoter, will talk the ABC TV documentary, Mike Tyson, The Knockout. Give it up for Mr. Dave Rooney. All right, I would like to welcome Mr. Dave Wooly, a.k.a. Woo. What's going on, man? Hey, Woo. man, it's a pleasure having you. <laughs> uh, brother, it's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure to have you here, man. It's man, oh, man. We got so much to talk about. I, I, um, you have a, a stellar career, um, and obviously, you know, you're from New York, so, you know, we got to talk about that. Um, big things coming up for you, and I'd like to, let's just dive in, man. Tell me, you know, I know you're from Harlem, so let's just talk about growing up in Harlem. What was it like? What was your experience like growing up in Harlem? Well, you know, uh, um, growing up in Harlem was just a magical experience. Um, it really taught me uh, how to be an entrepreneur, how to succeed in life, and, and really how to dream. Um, you know, I grew up in Douglas Projects, which is on 103rd and Columbus Avenue. I lived in uh, building 850, apartment 1A. Okay. So uh, about nine years old, I got a drum set. I got the drum set. Because my mother it took me to see James Brown at the Apollo Theater. Ah. And, you know, James Brown come out and say, On that 2-4 beat. That's right, in the pocket. So I'm sitting in the front row with my mother, and I said, you know, tap the pole. I said, hey, Ma, I want to be like him when I grow Right, right. I said, no, the drummer. She said, thank God. As a consequence, she got me a drum set that following Christmas. Wow. <laughs> uh, and and that's, you know, <laughs> that's how I got the bug of being in show business. And, uh, you know, I took those drums and I realized that would be my, could be my ticket out of the projects. And, right. and you know, I always had a big dream for myself. And I practiced and I practiced and, you know, uh, living, <laughs> living in Harlem, especially living on the first floor, you know, brothers would come right to my window, knock on the window, yo, man, <laughs> get out those damn drums. You messing up my high. You know, <laughs> be like, you know, <laughs> you know, then when I come out, finish practicing, you walk out in the courtyard and everybody's booing, you right, know, right. it's like, <laughs> booing. But, but that taught me how to stick with something, right. you know, and then two years later, people were saying, hey, man, why don't you go back in and hit those drums? Uh, and it became a block party because I would play my drums and it would be in sync. I would have on the radio. Remember Frankie Crocker? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I would be yeah. playing, you know, to whatever the hit was that was uh, being played on the radio, I would be in sync with it. And it would be bouncing off the walls, you know, in, in the project uh, uh, um courtyard and it became a block party man and then they start clapping when i walked out after right. i finished so you know that's a good harlem, feeling yeah harlem really taught me tenacity it taught me how to be focused it taught me how to, to live out a dream and uh from that experience it it calipoed to where you know to the rest of my career many years later that's pretty cool now how did you um go from harlem into entertainment like how did that work but i know you played the drums but how did you get into say um thinking about going into entertainment on a full-time basis? Well, you know, it, it was one of those things where <laughs> um, everybody thinks they can play drums. <laughs> right. Fortunately, I was able to uh, play well enough to, I was established myself as one of the top drums in the home you know, area. Yeah. 
and so I played for a lot of the early hip hop records. I played uh, for the Alvin Ailey Dance Company in terms of classes. Uh, okay. Uh, dance Harlem uh, off Broadway, uh, and the great Norman Connors when I was 16. Remember Norman Connors? Absolutely. Absolutely. He discovered me essentially. Uh, I met him at a club down the street called McHale's, and uh, he asked me to go on the road with him. Wow. And I did that. And it was an unbelievable experience because can you imagine living in a project? And he sent a limousine. He said, Give right. me your address. I'm going to send a call for you. So he sent a limousine for me, a white chauffeur. <laughs> It's a project, you know. We only saw chauffeurs and limousines when somebody died or somebody. That's right. Married. That's right. So, <laughs> it's an emergency. You know, so imagine this man with, with, yeah, with a cat walking through the hood, you know, looking for my building and coming in the building, you know, right. knocking on my door right. and literally carrying my drugs out my bedroom. Wow. And wow. putting them into the limousine. Everybody, you know, that's back when when you know people would bang on the pipes. Oh yeah. And that meant. Look out the window. They don't know nothing about was going. They don't know nothing about them pipes, though. The project pipes. They don't know. They don't know. We know. They don't know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you know, everybody in the community would look out the window, and you know, by the time I got out there, kids were surrounding the limousine, a beautiful black limousine, uh, uh, and people were clapping because they knew, right. like, brother who you know was eight years old, nine years old, playing, you know, sixteen now, and and he's got limousines coming to pick him up, taking right. him. Uh, out. So, you know, I thank Norman because he really gave me the, the uh, and I haven't looked back, he really gave me that push. And Norman's been known as discovering great people. He discovers Phyllis Hyman, Norman Brown, right. uh, Gene Kahn, and a host of other uh, icons that I, I mean, when I was playing with him, Marcus Miller was there. Wow. So, yeah. you know, it was one of those kinds of things. Uh, and I haven't looked back uh, since. And um, so that that's basically how I got into uh, the entertainment world and uh, really uh, realized that uh, I could have a career uh, as uh, doing this. And I found my love, I found my passion very early on. That's, that's good, man. That's really good. Now, how did you um, get into boxing? <laughs> you know, the, with Norman, I remember doing a show, doing a tour, Phyllis was on the show, and I came off the stage. I'm soaking wet, you know. Uh, and there was a guy who walked in, had a clean suit, silk, uh, uh, and had a briefcase. He right. opened the briefcase. It was nothing but $100. Yeah. And he was paying Norman in cash. And I was, wow. after it was over, I said, no, who was that brother? He said, oh, that's the promoter. I said, the promoter? He said, yeah, he owns this venue. He, you know, that's all the money from the ticket sales. And I'm looking at, I, I'm making $500, which, you know, which was good money. Sure. But this cat probably had about $50,000 in his briefcase. And I'm saying, I want to do what he's doing. Right. So, you know, so I always had that business uh, uh, acumen and wanted to pursue uh, a business career in the entertainment. And once that, I started uh, uh, performing and doing shows, I realized that the money was really made in the, on the business side. That's right. So I went to school. I got my uh, bachelor's in business administration. I earned an MBA as well from uh, Wilmington University. I moved to Delaware. Uh, Delaware was like a ghost town. Uh, and yeah. uh, I had all these relationships with Norman and Phyllis and all these other great people that I had played with. Uh, and one day Norman said, listen, I want to play Delaware, you know, find a promoter. I said, this is Delaware. They don't know promoters. He said, is your name Dave Woolley? I said, yeah. He said, well, why don't you be the promoter? And I said, sure. And then I said, what's a promoter? And then I remembered, you know. That, fit, man, that, that bag of money, man. Yeah, and a suit. I said, maybe I can get a suit, you know. 
and that's I, 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 my first show was with Norman Connors, and I sold out uh, two nights. I made three thousand dollars that wow. night. Plus, he had to pay me for being his drummer in the band. Oh wow! So, uh, yes. Yeah, so that's when I really realized that that I was on to something. And then from there, I started bringing you know the Temptations, the Four Tops, uh, you know, and I had worked with. Uh, I've done over five hundred events, etc. That's wow. how I get into the uh, promotion side. And then after that. I wanted to get into the boxing world. And because, you know, I figured you know, these folks are making $30,000 a person for right. people to come into an arena and just look at a big screen on closed circuit. You know, that's back when closed circuit was around. <laughs> I guess we need to explain what that is. That's right, right that's right. <laughs> uh, well, closed circuit, folks, <laughs> was before, <laughs> before pay per view. Uh, meaning that if you wanted to see the fight live, you had to go to an arena, you know, Baltimore Arena or, or in Richmond. It was Richmond Coliseum, um, you know, uh, Hall. And there were plenty of venues in Madison Square Garden. And they would have a giant screen up and a satellite mm-hmm. dish. And wherever the fight was in Las Vegas, they would uh, satellite it in uh, and then put it on this big screen and sound system. So I knew that was a very, very lucrative business. Uh, and I wanted to get into that part of it. Uh, what I didn't know is that it wouldn't be as easy as uh, just picking up the phone and ah. uh, sending a check. That was that, that closed circuit was midway between um, promoting back in promoting the 70s and 80s that's, and the internet. That's right. That, oh, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. The first fight I did was the Leonard Hagler fight, and that was in 86. Okay. Um, yeah, I remember that fight, but I'm not that old, you know. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> Big fight. I'm just huge, saying. You know. Yes, it was. <laughs> it, was it was. It was huge. Um, you know that that uh, uh, getting into the boxing arena was very difficult because you know I had all the success in concerts and tours and events. So you know, watching boxing, I saw our top rank uh, always. You know, getting credit, top rank production, things of that nature. And of course, right. it was Don King, but top rank kept coming up. So I went to New York and met with the folks at top rank. I had all my posters and flyers. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, you know, I'm, I'm a successful uh, concert promoter. I want to buy the rights to, you know, an entire state for one of these fights. Because I thought it would be easier uh, putting a screen up in a, in a concert hall. You know, I don't have to deal with no egos. I don't right. have sound check. You know, I have somebody being late. You know, the food ain't right. <laughs> you know, I have to deal with all the artist stuff that comes along with doing shows. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but but they told they told me no. They said you you know really you don't have an experience. And I said, what do you mean I don't have an experience? I've done all of these shows, and here's my box office receipts and my, my financial statement. Uh, they said, well, they you know when you do a concert, that's one night. You know one night then you go to the next time that's another show that's a show when you do close circuit and you do a fight you might have 50 locations all in one night wow and man. it has to be perfect you know you don't get a second chance that's right no um, do-overs and you experience yeah you don't get a do-over so i thought about that and so what we will do is we'll put you in touch with the guy who owns the whole state of virginia and maybe he'll sell you a little city or something, and then you can learn how to crap. And that's what happened. I okay. ended up getting contacted the guy, bought Roanoke, Virginia, and uh, Charlottesville. Wow. And that was Charlottesville. You talk about racism. I was heavy back then. Yeah. Uh, but I but I sold out the Charlottesville location. Did very well in Roanoke. 
And that's how I got into, that's with the Leonard Haggard fights. That's when I realized, you know, hey, I could do this. And then eventually I ended up getting the whole state of uh, uh, Virginia with the wow. uh, Tyson Spinks fight at Delaware. But that was the bug. And I became the only African-American uh, in the country on exclusive rights uh, to an entire state. Wow. So that was, uh, that was really a hitical moment, especially looking back now. now Years later. Yeah, that was groundbreaking. Groundbreaking. I lost you for a minute. Thank you. Here you go. Now I lost you for a second, but you're good. Okay. Okay. There's a delay. Do we need to uh, pick up anything? No, no. You can. Uh, you were talking about the um, um, Charlottesville thing and how you were the first African American to come in and actually. Uh, prove that you can do what you did, and which is, I commend you for that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, especially with a fight like uh, Mike Tyson versus Michael Spinks, which, yeah, yeah grossed over $70 million. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was very successful. And, um, and you know, those things were done as, uh, as almost like a franchise. So it'd be like 12 guys who run the whole country. Okay. One guy would own all the California. Another guy would own all Pennsylvania and Jersey, and it was kind of based on region. Uh, eventually, I um, I uh, would consistently get all of uh, the entire state of the entire state of uh, Virginia, uh, Washington D.C., right. and Illinois. Oh, okay. Exclusively, meaning any one of those states that wanted to buy the fight, including the cable companies, had to license it for me. So that's buying the. They had to come to you to buy the rights for the actual fight. Yeah, yeah. I was awarded the exclusive uh, pay per view rights and closed circuit rights from the promoter, from Top Rank, or uh, and, you know, with the Tyson Spinks fight. Gotcha. Butch Lewis and uh, King. Wow, I can't see a screen. <laughs> you can't. I'm right here. Okay. Well, we'll just keep talking. No worries. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's maybe your connection. No worries. We'll fix that. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, what I want to ask you is, um, boxing and entertainment, as far as music, how do you separate the two? Because you're dealing with like boxing is a large entity. Like you said, you deal with different regions, so many different people, and then a concert is maybe that one, two, three night, whatever it is, and then you go home and get ready for the next concert. So how do you separate the two? Well, you know, most of the time I didn't do them at the same time. Uh, there <laughs> were some times when I would do one day, you know, because the fights, fights are events. You know, I mean, really, people really don't understand. You know, boxing was just huge. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it would take me a few months just to wind up the marketing uh, for these fights. Whereas a concert, you know, I could promote a concert and sell it out. In 30 days, okay. You know, a fight you really needed to put together a comprehensive marketing plan. Uh, you know, for example, I would go to the barber shops, make sure the brothers had you know tickets right. while they cutting the guy's hair. You know, his his free ticket. You know, they let me sure. put up a poster in the barber shop, yeah. and then most importantly, I go to the hair salon. There you go. Up all the late hair salon and make sure they got tickets for them and their boyfriends and right. their VIP clients. And they would, you know, while doing hair, are you going to the fight? You going to the fight? You know. Uh, 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 and then I also did rap commercials. Uh, okay. So that these fights, I would, uh, 
instead of using the traditional traditional you know fight commercial, I would have rappers rapping about it. But you know, a fight is different because a fight you have both a white audience and a black audience, the right. country, you know, all of these kinds of different ethnic groups. So you just can't promote on black radio. You really right. have to understand how to promote across the board. Uh, and I learned that from my concert business, from doing shows with. I mean, I promoted uh, dates with Loretta Lynn. Tony Bennett, okay. Mel Tomei, uh, uh, people of that nature. So while everybody was trying to get Anita Baker date, they said, okay, you do that. I, I'm, I'm going to be doing this Loretta Lynn concert <laughs> in, in a race park. Right, right. I'm going to make twice as much <laughs> as you make. There you go. Doing Anita Baker. So. That's right, that's right. <laughs> and when I was saying, like, Wooly, you know, they know who I was. They didn't right. know, who, you know, like, you know, so. They said, they, you didn't, they didn't know the Wu was in town. They didn't know. And oftentimes, Oh, there we go. <laughs> Woo-woo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but, but you know, again, entertainment, entertainment is, is one of those things that uh, crosses all racial barriers. Sure. Um, I mean, all racial barriers. So, uh, uh, I, you know, I'm just really fortunate and really blessed to have uh, done some of the things that I've done. That's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy uh, for you. Thank man. you, man. And congratulations to... And I'm happy for you, man. You oh. guys are doing the damn thing. Oh man, oh. man God is good, brother. That's all I can tell you. I just listen. It, this wasn't planned. Yeah, not wasn't your planned. Plan. Just the producer. Yeah, and that's, that means the producer. So that means she's telling you exactly what to do. She's like you, man. She, <laughs> she, she, she's like you. She's coming in with the suitcase full of money, distributing the money. This is how. It goes. <laughs> that's why you married her. That's See, right. I got it. That's right. You got to marry. You got to marry to the top. You can't go. To, you can't go low. You got to go high, right? <laughs> now tell me, See, like, that's that Brooklyn in Hey, man, listen. You you making me. You pulling that out of me. You pulling it out of me. You got to go low and you got to go high. <laughs> you got to use. You got to use that boxing analogy when you think when you think outside the box. You know. <laughs> You know, keep your neck. What they say, keep your head down and keep swinging. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And don't fall. Eventually, you're gonna hit. And don't fall. Don't fall. Don't fall. Right. 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 Well, you know, I mean, and Mike Tyson comes yeah. from that same mentality. Yeah, he's you from know, not too far from where I grew up. He yeah. came on. The scene. Yeah, he's from Brownsville, Brooklyn. That's yeah, exactly where he's from. Yeah. 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 No, no, he's from Blackville. You know. So, uh, 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 <laughs> Some people call it Brownsville, but right, I call right. it Blacksville. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, that's, that's true. Place to be joking around. No, 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 no. It's not. No, it's definitely no. not, man. But he, he's a he's a great guy, man. I mean, now, how did you get into? Let's talk about that Mike Tyson documentary. How did that come about? Well, first of all, I want to make sure everybody watching. Okay, mark your calendar right now, May. 25th, that's Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mike Tyson, The Knockout on ABC. You don't want to miss it. This is an event television. I mean, when's the last time have you seen a documentary get the kind of marketing publicity that uh, it has gotten across the board on terms of radio, in terms of TV ads? I mean, I saw it the other night on American Idol, and it was it was me in a commercial. Wow. Uh, wow. You know, it, it was, it was, it's, so you don't want to miss this, guys. I mean, really, you don't want to be one of these people that saw it the next day and have to hear about it in the office or, or on or online. Um, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, the next night, however, it'll be on Hulu. So if you have to work, I understand, 
you know, you might have a, a producer wife that makes you work and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you won't be able to see it live, but uh, you'll catch it the next night on uh, Hulu. Uh, and then part two will be uh, June 1st uh, at the same time, uh, 8, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, you know, they uh, ABC contacted me. I was honored that they did. And I okay. uh, was the first one that they interviewed uh, for this documentary. That's pretty cool. I mean, um, incredible. Incredible. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you about it, but you know. Uh, well, you now, know, now, did you put it together? Or are you in? The, are you in the documentary? Or I'm very much uh, in it. Uh, you, you know, the radio and TV spots, um, you know, have kind of become iconic to some degree because I'm getting emails and texts all over. Yeah. So, so basically, like the answer, the answer is I took over the show. That's what's going down. And, you know, no, from, I'm from no, Harlem, man. No. I'm from Harlem. I got to take over the show. <laughs> I, I actually, like I actually did. I actually did see the commercial. I did see it. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I say, you know, there were three mites, you know, in in the world back in the eighties. Mm-hmm. There were three mites that ruled the world. That's you right. You know, there was Michael Jordan, there was Michael Jackson, and there was Mike Tyson. That's right. And everybody wanted to be Mike. Right. The only question was, what Mike, do you want to be? Right. Right. So, <laughs> isn't that the truth? You know. Uh, 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 so that soundbite became, you know, a big piece of uh, mm-hmm. what's being run on, on ABC. Uh, and, you know, that was one of my brainchilds, you know, in terms of, of, you know, trying to capture how big that was. Because, you know, I have a 23-year-old and 24-year-old daughter. God okay. bless their hope, you know. Wow. Uh, their history is like, was that before Tupac died or after? You know, <laughs> so that's like BC. <laughs> you know, so... Right, right. <laughs> You know, so, you know, the notion of something in the 80s, you know, it's like, I mean, that's like Rose like Parks. Primitive, like, <laughs> like yeah, primitive, yeah. Like 80s. Yeah, right. oh, that's, that's, back, that's back in biblical times. That's right. <laughs> so, no internet, no cell phone. Like, how did y'all function? Exactly. You know, how, how do you live without? But those were the know, best. Those are the best times. They were the best times. Like, how did you live without Instagram? I said very comfortably. <laughs> so, a letter and a stamp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Postcard. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, but get this. You know, um, you know, I have a scrapbook at home, and they, you know, look through it, and they see the, the uh, my press clippings with Tyson and pictures, right. and you know, they make the papers of now brown, you know, because it's thirty something years old now. Yeah. Uh, and they don't really paid any mind. Oh, that's cool, Dad. You know, all right, we're ready to go. we out. You know, I'm like, yeah. okay. But you know, this. Now that they see how big Tyson was, they're more excited than I am about this documentary. Wow. Uh, wow. Next Tuesday. I mean, they're saying all their friends on Instagram are talking about it, asking, Did that, is that your daddy? Your dad did that? Now now they're cool. Now they love Tyson. They've done all of the research. They can tell me more about it than I could right. reply to this doc. You know, right, right. Uh, how, how, how do young people say? They say, Oh, he's trending now. My dad is yeah. trending. <laughs> Period. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag my dad. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh man, I know all about it, man. Woo. I'm a girl dad, so I have two daughters. Okay. Uh, uh, and uh, one is an attorney. Her name is Vita uh, Woolley. She's a practicing attorney. She was 23 and passed the bar uh, last uh, in January. And my youngest daughter uh, last week graduated from Georgia Tech with her master's degree. She's 23. Congratulations. Uh, in computer science. So, wow. 
a single father, you know, raising those two daughters by myself without a nanny, without a girlfriend, you right. know, uh, that is my greatest production. You know, that is the ultimate. That's great, Ben. I, I congratulate you on that. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Congratulate you on that. Thank you. Thank you. That's what. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So Ty- one, one quick thing before you cut out. Now, Tyson, you know, he ruled the boxing ring. And I, I can't wait to see this um, documentary because I can't wait to see what he has or what you guys have in store. I know it's going to be good because, first of all, he's from Brooklyn. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. And there's and a lot. went to Rasmus Hall. I sure did. I sure did. 9-11 Flatbush yeah. Avenue. Yes, sir. Flatbush and Church. Yeah, so. Uh, I mean, so many great folks came out of that school. Uh, Absolutely. I used to hang out there. Uh, you know, I mean, just so, so you're a legend in your own right, man. Thank and, you, you know, once again, Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate so, you, man. I appreciate yeah. you. Listen, you got to you gotta promise me, hopefully, um, after the biopic, you know, well, the uh, documentary, because there is a biopic, but this, the documentary is going to supersede the biopic. Just let's just get that out the way. But I would love to... Um, All right. I would love to have you come back and um, and talk about all the great things that you're doing because you have so much body of work. You know, there's not enough time in a day. We we can have about five podcasts to cover everything that you've done. You know, there's not time in a day. You know, man, I'm I'm humble, but for the grace of God, you know, uh, too much is getting, much is required. Right. Um, you know, it, it has been nothing but you know the Lord blessing me. Uh, with the beautiful family, uh, with the, the ability to, you know, be part of so many iconic uh, historical events, uh, and you know, uh, to be on a show like this, you know, it's truly a humbling experience. I appreciate uh, that. So yeah. Thank you so much. I would love to come back and, and finish this, man, because uh, you know, we we we, we homeboys. Yeah. Know? Oh yeah, yeah. Listen, you know, you know, Harlem and Brooklyn, and you know, Harlem, USA, all day. Um, I love the fact that you um, have done great things. And I love the fact that you are a great dad and your kids, your, your daughter, I'm not going to say kids because they're grown women now, but they've done, they're doing their thing and they're making a dent in society and you should be proud. Thank you, man. You know, it, it really, children are the destiny of our legacy. Right. And, you know, I want to encourage everybody that's watching this, you know, to follow your dreams, man. You know, parents can be the number one dream killer. So when those kids have a vision, uh, uh, you know, it's important to support them. Because I had not, not got that drum set at, at nine, eight years old, you know, right. we wouldn't be having this conversation, you right. know, but that 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 was a support thing. Uh, so, you know, we got we, we have to support our kids. We have to educate them. We have to tell, teach them the value of, of, of education, formal education as well. Absolutely. Uh, and, and nothing but love. Show them love. This is all about love, man. Absolutely. Love what you do there. Thank you, man. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm, to come back. And, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get there. No, no, you there? Trust me. Look, look. Listen, I, I was gonna say we're gonna have to put on some boxing gloves from Harlem and Brooklyn, and, say, <laughs> <laughs> and my wife will come in with the basket of money. <laughs> Listen, we, we'll call it a draw. How's that? There you go. There you go. Good luck. I, I, I'll probably hit one swing and go, whoa, can't do it, bro. Can't do it, man. We're going to have to call this a drill. Get my little white flag and start waving the white flag. Well, you know, uh, hey, listen, and that's what Tyson did in his last fight with, with yeah. Roy Jones. He looked amazing, too. Yes, he did. Uh, uh, in this documentary, we'll talk about the fall, the rise, and, you know, the redemption. And, and, and you know, because we all fall down, but, you Absolutely. know, getting back up. 
that's what this man has done. You know, he's in a great place in his life right now. Um, uh, he's in great shape. You know, this is this is going to be a very inspirational story. And I encourage parents to sit with your kids, like with mine, to learn a little bit about history. And not just Black history, but history. I mean, right. These are our icons. These are our legends. And uh, we need to support them. And we also need to show ABC that there need to be more of these types of inventive television. Absolutely. Uh, produced. So, you know, come on. Let's... let's and, Let's break some records. Let's there you go. Let's do it. I'm I'm, I'm going to have you um all over my social media, uh, personal and business, and and make sure that um, everybody goes out. So we're looking at the Mike Tyson documentary, which will it will first air on um, May 25th, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and then you can catch it the next day on Hulu. Is that right? That's correct. And then uh, the second part of it will be June 1st. That's correct. At 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'm on I'm on Instagram. I'm Dave underscore Wooly uh, on Instagram and of course Facebook uh, and all the other social media. So you know we're, we're going to stay in touch. And, Absolutely. You know I want want again give you a standing ovation. Thank you, man. You do. I appreciate you. Hey, man. We all got to work together. Come on, listen. That's all about networking. That's right. Isn't it? That's, that's right. That's that's what it's all about. Just a knockout. What's that song? What's that song? You put your left foot in and your right foot out. You shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey. <laughs> That's what. How old are you again? I'm 21. <laughs> Listen, I won't see 21 again in this lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, but listen, it was a pleasure, man. It was a pleasure having you on, Mr. Wu, Brother Wu. I mean, Dave Wooly, man, I, I really, really appreciate you being here and, and much respect to you and your, your wonderful career. Great dad, great family man, and I can't wait to see this biopic. It's, it's going to be huge. Like I said, I will be posting it tonight. Yeah. yeah listen, I just, uh, somebody sent me a link that mm-hmm. uh, over 6 million people have just watched it online. Oh, wow. Video, the commercial. So, uh, you know, I'm expecting some really exciting things. And, and uh, you know, this is history. So yeah, thank yeah. you for people like you. And thank uh, your wife. And, 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 and let me know when we're coming back. Let's do it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bella, ding, ding, ding. We're back in the ring. Okay. <laughs> no worries, man. Uh, you got it. Hold on one second, okay? Hold on. <laughs>